God is good, isn't he? He is always good. No matter what you think, no matter what our understanding is, God is good. I'm just, uh, I'm excited. I've, not the first time I've said that, won't be the last, but I'm not always excited. Sometimes I have to preach on something that's not exciting, but I have to preach it because it's truth. His word is truth. But I am excited to preach today. I am. There's an excitement in what he's given us uh, this, in this season, and, and, it, and for many of us, it's been a hard season. Not the worst season we've ever been through, but hard. It's just been irritating. I guess that's the best word. Season of just like irritation, constant. Who's been, who's with me? It's just been like one irritation after the other. And it comes in body, comes in your mind, it comes with your natural surroundings, your money, I mean, just people around you. It's just been irritating. That's the best way to describe it. And the Lord had actually shown me and I didn't even realize, <clears throat> many times the Lord speaks to you and he shows you something and you say, thank you, Lord. Okay. And then you kind of shelf it and you don't realize he's actually prepping you for the season ahead. And it actually showed me that in Ephesians 6, I started reading about our armor. We got to put the armor of God on, right? Right? As believers, right? We got to put his armor on and it says the full armor, right? From head to toe, Right? And including our shield and our sword, right? Our faith and the word of God, right? And the Bible says that we need those things covering us because of, to paraphrase, translations and from Hebrew to Greek, whatever, of evil, right? There is evil coming against you all the time. Evil came against Jesus. It didn't affect him, did it? Jesus overcame right through the cross, right into eternity for us. But nonetheless, it will come. So we cover ourselves so that we can walk as Jesus did. And the interesting thing is that I looked into the Greek of what that evil one, we call it the evil one, but the word meant irritation. Irritation. So the irritation, and then so, uh, so uh, not a coincidence that exactly what we've been feeling, what we've been kind of going through is just one irritating thing after the other. But what, this is what's amazing. Do you know what a clam does with an irritation? What's a clam do with an irritation? It makes a pearl, that's right. It takes a grain of sand that irritates it, so it puts a layer of protection. Come on, wow, this is amazing. God's so good, isn't he? Did you know that everything in creation... Everything in creation was given to us to see the goodness of God. If you open your eyes, if you want to look like the, like the scientific world does, then it's just coincidence. It's just uh, an evolution of, sci of, of, of <laughs> some wacky, crazy, you know, it, it's pretty incredible to me. A clam doesn't have a big brain. It doesn't have eyes. doesn't have ears. Doesn't produce little cute babies. It's very simple, and yet it's so, that's crazy. How could you possibly imagine that that thing just happened? But God put that there for us so that when we are going through a hard time, he could say to you, hey, why don't you look around at, 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 at my creation? Why don't you see my goodness that even after the storms, the sun still rises right? Even after the storm, the rainbow comes out as a promise. 
That's what the rainbow, the God's rainbow, not the world's rainbow, God's rainbow is a promise that he's not going to flood the world again, right? That's what he told Noah. It's a promise to us. When we see it, we should remember the goodness of God. In fact, out of God's throne, there is a rainbow shining. Did you know that? Did you know in Revelation it tells us that out of his throne shines a rainbow? And so God actually put his, his glory that after the storm, after the trial, and when, the, when all the dust settles, when the grain of sand incites you, when, when it's done, you have something beautiful. We've been talking about the refining fire. The same thing goes for the gold, right? It's a, it's a hot process. It's a tough process. It's a pressure, right? Diamonds, all the things of, of beauty, they take tremendous strain and pressure and heartache. The pearl has great value. Well, it's a great irritation to get that. Gold and silver, to get that into its beauty that you see it in jewelry form, it took the refiner working and working and tremendous heat, tremendous work to get it to that beauty that you women, less men, some men, love so much, but especially this little tiny stone that I don't get. I get a motor. You know, motor's got all these nuts and bolts and all this parts and like, you know, wheels and, and something motorized. I get why that costs $7,000, even if it's overpriced. I get that. But this little tiny stone that we dig up, it's a little tiny clear stone, <laughs> looks exactly like glass to me. But that thing... It's the hardest substance on earth called a diamond. That diamond took tremendous millions of pounds of pressure. And you know what the second key ingredient is? You know what creates a diamond? Pressure and time. Time. Lots of pressure and a long period of time. And see, as Christians, we should not be surprised as Peter warned us, and I've been saying, don't be surprised. Don't be confused about these trials that you're going through. God's refining you. God is making something beautiful out of you. And it doesn't mean that God is doing it to you, but God is allowing it. That's very significant that we get that. God has allowed the things around your life not to make you suffer, but to make you harden we don't want to harden against him, but we harden against the things of the world. We put that barrier against those things, our flesh, our desires, against the enemy. We stand and we just put a, 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 a blockade. You're not going to come any further. I'm not giving in to you. And then at the end, it gets so covered, so covered, so covered, so covered, so gone. Our flesh is so gone. There's none of it left. All that's left is something beautiful, something God can use. We don't want to enter heaven and God to say to us, well, you made it and I love you. And I always loved you, whether you made it or not, I still loved you, but I love you. And now let's look at what you did on the earth and let's look at your life. And you know that I have to do this because my word told you and you read my word, right? Well, my word told you that I was going to try your life by fire. 
And so we need to do that now. I'm going to test what you did with some fire. And if it's gold and silver and precious stones, things that, that were birthed in the fire and the pressure, they're going to last in, up here in eternity. But if you built your own kingdom, if you didn't give up, if you didn't let the pressure and let the irritations and let those things work for your advantage, you made it, but those things are going to be burned. Wood, hay, and stubble, the Bible calls it. So we as believers, we today, we must, we must, we must trust God. We have to trust God. It's a very simple gospel. The gospel is, a, is we have this big book called the Bible, and it's really the same story from cover to cover. God is God. He is who He is. He is who He says He is. He loves you very much. If you trust Him, His love becomes part of your life. If you don't trust him, then it's not that God doesn't love you or God wants to hurt you. God wants to do something to you. You just experience what you've given you, what you've welcomed into your own life. And who's been there? <laughs> I don't think I need to explain that one. <laughs> I think we get that. So we need faith. That's what faith is. Faith is believing in God. We need our, our faith and it needs to be real. It needs to be strong. And it needs to be, we need to be cultivating it. It needs to be growing. Remember the disciples, they asked Jesus to increase their faith. Remember Jesus was coming to pray for a man and, and he said, if only you believe. He says, I believe, but help me to believe you more. We can ask him to increase our faith and ask him to help us believe him more. And that's what we should be doing. And, and, and also, how do we do that? Well, the more we're around him, the more we're around his people, the more our influences are his things, God things, the more that we are going to be naturally increasing our faith. The more world we have in us, the more influences from the world we allow into us, the things we're watching, the things we're listening to, the, the people around us that we're letting speak into our lives, people we're hanging out with, the more you do those things, the less out of his word we are, the less faith you're going to have. It's just kind of common sense. Nothing really spiritual about that. We need to be in his word, be around his people. We don't come to worship him just because he demands it. We love him, we want to worship him, but also what it's doing is during that time of worship, which is, all, is still happening right now, well, he starts speaking to you, we give him praise and he starts speaking a word to us. During that time, what's happening is you're being changed. Who's been changed? Who's been through some changes? And how's that happen? It's supernatural, it's miraculous. You have made obvious choices in your life, but those choices came because... Why did those choices come? Because God started prompting you, hey, I want that area in your life. And you were willing to give it to him. And the more you were willing to give to him, the more he puts inside you. I see our body as like a glass. And if it's completely full, and we're telling God to pour into us, it's just gonna, he's gonna just flow over the top. There's no room for me in you. <laughs> He says, okay, I hear your voice. I hear what you're saying. And in fact, I'm actually answering you and you got the spill off. Who've had, who's had God around your life, right? He's around you. But you want to get him down inside you and start making a change? We got to make some room for him. It means you got to get some things out of you. Now, if you truly give him your life, then you know what God does? God says, we're going to do this 
quick. It's going to be a long process, but we're going to do the first part quick. Bam, he just dumps the whole thing off, just dumps you out. Who's, been, who's felt like God emptied you, right? Remember, <laughs> there's countless characters here in our word, but sometimes it, we can really identify with their lives, the stuff they went through, because it seems like God is mean to them temporarily, but it's for their good, isn't it? Every time we can see that it was for their good. It's for your good what God is doing in your life right now. And if you feel like you're empty, you're empty, you're actually in a good place. Because if you're empty, then we can turn to him and say, you fill me up. And we don't turn back to our flesh, our world, the world. We don't turn to those things and start filling us back up again. We can do that. But if you're in an empty place, that's a good place to be. Ask him to start filling you and he will. That's your part and his part. He'll do it faithfully if you open your heart faithfully. He'll keep speaking if you just, you just open those pages and start turning those pages and he will be faithful to speak to you. I promise you that. Let me start. Keep moving here. I'm just speaking. Is this all right so far? Making any sense? It says in Hebrews 11, verse 1, that faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It's the evidence of things we cannot see. It says faith, and let me just give you a definition. Faith is, and this is just in in my own words, faith is choosing to believe God because we're confident He is who He says He is and will do what He says He'll do even though we don't see what we're believing for yet. Does that make sense? God is who he says he is, and he'll do what he says he'll do. And we're confident in that, even though we don't see anything, but we have a knowing. There's a knowing in you, isn't there? It's blind faith, we call it, right? There's blind faith. But there's also enough things that he's done in your life and around your life to prove that, hey, I can trust this guy. That he's not just a name. It's not just a name that people throw around. That God is real. Jesus is real. And we also have his word. We need to choose to believe his word that when he did this or that in their life and saw that it was always for their good, we need to believe that that's true. If you don't believe his word, you're going to have a tough time believing God in your life. You hear me? If you don't believe his word from cover to cover, you will never, ever fully trust God in your own life. Because every single time you come up against a wall or a hard time, instead of going to the word, you're going to go to other areas without even knowing it. You're just going to resort to what you know to do. So we need to run to his word. So faith is choosing to believe who he is and what he says. Well, how do you know what he says if if you haven't read it? We need to read it. And then if he speaks a word to you, right? If he gives you a dream, gives you a vision, if he has someone come and give you a word and it's been confirmed by multiple people, well, if it doesn't line up with the word, you know it wasn't God. We need to know his word. But it says in verse two that through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. The people in days of old earned a good reputation through their faith. It's talking about thousands of years ago, the characters we read about in our Bible, 
that they have a good reputation, both with men and with God, because of their faith. In verse 6, and it is, what's that word say? It is impossible. It's impossible to please God. Who wants to please God? That's the purpose in our lives. He loves you so much, and he's our father, and we love him, and I want to please him. Well, it's impossible to please him without faith. It's impossible to please him without believing that he actually loves you. It's impossible to please him without believing that he has good for you planned, no matter what you see or what you're going through, that it's good. It's impossible to please him without staying in that faith. And anyone who wants to come to him, they must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. And there's many, many characters here in Hebrews 11, many characters. And I'd like to look at some of them in the next weeks ahead, but I'm going to look today at Abraham. It says in verse 8 that it was by faith. Come on, I want you to say that out loud. It was by faith. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed. So faith causes you to obey. Why is that? Because I believe that, you're, that what you're saying to me is true, and I don't need to understand it. It doesn't need to make sense. And in his life, it's a perfect example of not making sense and not understanding. But he said, he obeyed him because of faith. And when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance, he went without knowing where he was going. He went without knowing where he was going. Who in here doesn't make a decision until you know? <laughs> That's human nature, but especially New Yorkers, we want to have all of our ducks in a row. And until we do the next, we're not moving until we know. But it said that faith actually caused him to go somewhere that he had no idea where he'd end up. And I've preached it before. If God told you where you'd be, you probably wouldn't have followed him to begin with. <laughs> Although it's good for you, but you wouldn't have known that back then. You wouldn't have thought that was good until you're living in it and you realize his goodness. Sometimes it takes to the end of your life till you realize that was a good season, God. I'm sorry I didn't enjoy it as much as I could have because that was actually a good season. But it says that in verse 9, and this is really what I want you to get today. And even when he reached the land that God promised him. Come on, I want you to say that out loud. Even when he reached his promise. Even when he reached his promise, he lived there by faith. And this is... This is the, the thing for a Christian. We trust God, we have faith, and then God gives you your answer. Who's, who's had an answer come from the Lord? And who's watched that answer fizzle out? And it doesn't make sense. Does that mean it wasn't God? But when we go, well, that was the devil because... You know, it's, it's gone now. 
But actually, it's because when God gives you your promise, you need faith more than ever. For a couple of reasons. One, we're human. And B, you have an enemy that wants to steal it from you. One and B. (laughs) A and B, one and two, whatever. You guys got what I meant. (laughs) For he was like a foreigner. Who feels like a foreigner in your life so many times? Right? I feel like a foreigner. Living in tents. And so did his son Isaac and his son Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Verse 10, Abraham was confidently looking forward. And that's what faith is. Faith is never, ever, ever attaining here on this earth. You have attained one goal, a goal, a victory, but we are never, ever called to camp and settle. Not as Christians. Because that is reserved for where? For eternity, for heaven. There will be a place that we will settle once and for all. Don't be tempted to do it here. As soon as you settle here and you go, well, I've got it. I got my promise. We have seen as Christians, you can see even some greats, some greats who followed God, you see their lives fall apart later on in their lives. And there are a myriad of reasons, and I'm not naming anybody on purpose because I don't know their story. I don't know what happened. But it is interesting how someone could trust God for so long and do so much, and then things start unraveling. And I wonder if they started getting a little lax. You get a little comfortable in your own abilities. You get a little bit comfortable in who you are and, and how you got there and what you did and your faith. Faith is not, does not equal pride. Faith equals humility. Faith is, I can't do it, but he can. But as soon as we start thinking we can do it, we're not in faith anymore, we're in pride. And I believe that's what happens sometimes is we get, we love that God has answered our prayers. We love that we've come to a place where we feel like he's done something for us, but then we get a little too settled, a little too comfortable here, and we forget that it was God who got us there, and that we let ourselves and the enemy tell us that it was you who got you there. And unless we just keep, we need to keep our eyes set on eternity. And I'm going to keep saying that this season, that while he's refining us and he's making you, it's not just so that you can be special here, it's because there's an eternal home for you. He's refining you for eternity and he's refining you so that you are reflecting his glory in the little bit of time we get here on earth before eternity. Does that make sense? Well, let's go to Genesis in the, in the little bit of time we have. Let's go to Genesis chapter 12 and we can read his story here. It says that the Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, verse 1. Genesis 12, verse 1, leave your country, your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. Go to the land. I want you to leave it all behind. That's the same way we come to Christ. We should not be confused. Do not be confused. 
Jesus is not something we pick up along the way. Jesus is not an accessory. He's not something to help make your life better. He's something that he will give you new life. Come on. He doesn't make your life better. He wants to give you new life. He wants to remake you. He wants to give you a new life. Your old, the word is clear that your flesh, your mind, your will, your way, it must die. But a new man, right, a new woman rises up in Christ, an eternal person, right, that's inside you. And then when the flesh sheds off, that, that person inside you, that eternal person in you will live forever with him, right? So that means that when, G, when the Lord said this to Abraham, and this is, a, this is part of his faith, this is part of our faith. Let's look at him and say, this is exactly what God's asking us to do. You need to leave it all behind. You need to leave behind that baggage that you're carrying with you. We all bring baggage with us, we just don't realize, until all of a sudden you're in a relationship <laughs> the other party can see your baggage because they're the ones that have to carry it for you. <laughs> well, that's funny. But God does it on purpose so that you get rid of it. Not just so that we can start pointing fingers at each other. We cannot carry it. We were not meant to carry it. You were not meant to carry it. You were abused as a child, as an adult, if you let God use it, it'll cause you to say, wow, I now have a father who loves me so much, who loves me unconditionally, that would never hurt me intentionally. And you could let that look to him and see a better father, or you could carry this resentment, carry uh, something inside you, a weight inside you, and you always will look at a man or any type of father figure with kind of a little bit twisted, you know, assuming that anytime any man ever talks to you that he's your father, and right? Who's, who's experienced to some sort of an extent like that where you, you realize, wow, I, I'm carrying past and I'm treating the people today around me with that person in my mind. God wants to get that out of you. You cannot carry that into your promise. You cannot carry your past. You have to let it go. If you want to have true faith and truly trust God, you're not fully trusting him until you leave it all behind. Come on, say it out loud. Leave it all behind. Does that make any sense? I'm not just giving you my opinion, right? But it says that he... He did leave it. It says in verse 2 that God continues to promise him. He says, I will make you into a great nation. You know, he welcomes us, that Jesus welcomes us into his kingdom, that he said, you're going to be kings and priests with me. Did you know that? Did you know that we are kings and priests in the kingdom of God with Jesus for eternity? And so he said, I will make you a great nation. That promise is just as much to you as it was to Abraham. And it said, I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt, and all the families on earth will be blessed through you. We need to remember God's promise. We need to remember His promise. God has promised us all 
First of all, when we look at the word and we read his promises, they are for us. Doesn't matter who the name was, because all of them funneled to Christ, who opened the door for each one of us to inherit these promises. Now, what I have made very, very clear as a preacher these last couple years is that I can't guarantee that you will inherit every single one of them on this side. Because we read clearly, as you go back to Hebrews, I don't have time to look at it, but if you read in Hebrews, we just preached it last week, that it said that they never fully attained it fully, right? They never attained their promises fully because they were, always, they were looking onward. They knew that there was a home beyond this place, beyond earth. So, but I have to tell you as fact, you will inherit. Come on, let's say it out loud so you believe me. I will, I will. inherit every promise that God promised. Period. That's it. That's fact. Your body may die before that, but that doesn't mean that God hasn't been faithful. Just means your body didn't get it. Who cares? That's a temporary thing anyway. We're looking at eternity. We're looking at eons upon eons upon eons, and that's if you measured it, and it can't be measured. I want that. Come on. You ever seen the, the trick that they do to these young kids? They put them in a room and they say, they put a cupcake in front of them or a donut, whatever. They say, if you don't eat this, I'll come back in 15 minutes and I'll give you a whole box. But they put a camera on these kids who don't think anybody's watching. They got chocolate on their face. I didn't touch it. Come on, don't be tricked. Don't be tricked that this earth is it. Don't let your flesh, don't let the American dream, don't let the devil lie to you and tell you that this is it, that this is where your promise is, this is where your retirement is, this is where your reward is. This place is not it. Although God gives us many promises here, he can. Some, come, some have more on this side than others. And you just have to become okay with that. Some were in prison, some were slaves. In fact, did you know in the New Testament, when Paul says, if you were saved and you're a slave, don't even try to not become one. Stay a slave, but be a Christian slave. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that amazing? Nobody's cheering for me. <laughs> and the point is, it doesn't mean that if it wasn't offered you that God would say, don't take it. He's just saying, don't focus. Don't think that your reward, that you get to a certain place and all of a sudden you've arrived and that's it. Now God's on your side and favor's on your side. Because if a, a slave could still have the favor of God, then obviously there are perspective of his reward, of his inheritance, of truly attaining freedom and peace in Christ is skewed by our minds. Right? Yes, we agree with you, Pastor. Yes, that's right. Doesn't sound good. I don't like it, but you're right. You're right. We need to focus on the promise. Focus on his promises and not our problems. Focus on his promises and not your problems. Because here's what happens. It says, so Abram departed as the Lord instructed. Isn't that incredible? He had no idea where he was going and he left it all behind, didn't he? We love that part about Abraham, don't we? We love these verses right here. Man, what faith. He just left it all behind. 
And it says that he left Haran. So the first step in our faith is blind obedience, undeterred obedience, undeterred. We need to leave it all behind and look at the promise, not look at our issues, not look at what we don't understand. And he was willing to go. We need to be willing to go where we're not comfortable, where we're not familiar. We need to leave behind who we were, what we knew, and how we got to this point. You need to leave that all behind. Look at them as stepping stones that got you to here to make that decision. We don't just throw it away. That's, that's my point. When I was saying about the, you know, if you were abused as a child, you don't need to throw it away. It's still part of your life. You're just going to throw away the pain, throw away the bitterness, throw away the suffering. But we still look at it and say, this proves to me that humanity will fail me, but God never will. We don't throw away the story. We just throw away the ties. The devil tries to get those things to be rooted in you, and they grow, the Bible tells us, into bitterness. And we just can't take that. Anyway, that was a side note. We need to let those things go, but we need to move forward. We need to just keep trusting. We need to keep looking and saying, okay, those things, so those still, I didn't understand it. I didn't like it, but it's still, you use that to get me to hear. God used it. And there's a whole nother sermon that Abraham's father actually was told to leave. We don't preach that much, but actually his father was told to leave. And his father got to Haran and it says he stopped and he settled there and he died. So the Lord speaks to Abram and tells him to go. But do you know that God used that even though it looks like, wow, it looks like the father actually had a chance to go and he said he was headed for Canaan. It doesn't tell us, we don't even have to wonder where he was going. It was headed for the very place that God tells Abraham to go and he stopped and he settled there. But do you know that God used even that? God uses it all. Even the stuff that doesn't make sense, stuff we don't understand, he's using it every step of the way. He used it because it says that when Abram left, it says, verse five, it says, listen to this. He took his wife, Sarah. We're gonna call her Sarah. Her name's Sarai right now. It's too hard to say. He took his wife, Sarah, his nephew, Lot, and all his wealth, his livestock, and all the people he had taken into his household at Haran and headed for the land of Canaan. That's a whole other sermon, but I wanted to side note and just tell you that even places that settled, that places that maybe you shouldn't even have been, maybe you should have already been in Canaan if your father was obedient, but yet God used it. Even stuff that doesn't make sense, places you shouldn't have been. Who's been in places you shouldn't have been? If you're human, you've been there. Your parents put you there. Your own sin put you there. It doesn't really matter. You were in places you weren't even supposed to be, and God uses it because he uses everything, doesn't he? He used it, and actually, he said he had great wealth from there, from Haran. That's where he got it from. Anyway, he moves forward. He says he travels, and he's, he's listening to God in verse 6, and he traveled through the land to Shechem, and then he set up a camp right there at the Oak of Morah. And it says in verse 7, Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give this land to your descendants, and Abram built an altar there and dedicated it to the Lord who had appeared to him. After that, Abram traveled south to set up camp in his country with Bethel to the west and Ai to the east. And there he built another altar and dedicated it to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord. Then verse nine, 
Abram continued traveling south by stages toward the Negev. So Abram is faithful. Come on. Abram was faithful. He was faithful. He was full of faith. He was faithfulness is because I have faith to the full. <laughs> I'm full of faith, so then I'm faithful. And so he is faithful to do what God told him to do. And then he gets to where, come on, he got to the promise. And we just read a preview because we can read the end of the story. We can read the New Testament paraphrase. We can read the New Testament uh, analysis on this story. And it says that when he, he got there, he had to keep having faith. So he got there and he says, okay, God, I got here. This is your land. And God says, this is, this is uh, all, everywhere your foot is going to go. Everywhere your foot, he says, he says, uh, I will give this land to you and your descendants. And to his descendants tells them to walk the, the whole land that it's theirs. And he worships the Lord. And at this moment, you need to listen to God very closely. This is the moment. Now listen to me. At this moment, when God starts fulfilling his promises in your life, listen. Because this is the moment where you absolutely need faith. It took some faith to believe for your promise. You need twice as much faith to live in your promise. That's your sermon today. This moment, you need faith. You thought you needed faith before. You need faith now. Because... Verse 9 says, verse 8 says, he set up an altar, he worshiped the Lord. Verse 9, he continued to travel through the land that God gave him. Verse 10, at that time, <laughs> it's just funny. That's funny because we can identify so much with, who can identify with this line right here? This doesn't make sense. This must be, you know, they, the, the writers here, when they were writing his story down, they missed some information. Because this doesn't make sense. He just listened to God. He applied his faith, and he just, got the, he just got to where God promised him. Did he not? He just got there. And it says, at that time, a severe famine struck the land of Canaan, which just happens to be the land that he just got to and God told him is his. Forcing Abram to go down to Egypt, where he lived as a foreigner. Now, I could spend weeks on this verse right here. I could spend weeks right here, and I won't for your sake. But this is a very, very interesting moment. In fact, I've heard it all about this moment. Abram got into fear. I mean, I've heard it all. But I read this commentary, and it basically said that he was faithful. He was still faithful, that he still trusted God. I started, I'm going through the scriptures, and I'm, and I'm being totally open to whatever the scriptures say, not my opinion. And I, and I, and I wondered these thoughts. Did God cause this famine? Did the devil cause this famine? The devil does stuff on this earth too. Who's had a famine in your life and you knew it was the devil? It was obvious this is the devil causing this one. Sometimes we cause it ourselves. Sometimes it's the devil. And I'm wondering, who caused this famine? 
The Bible does not say, so I will not preach it firmly. And I will, as a preacher, I will never preach my opinion. It doesn't say who caused the famine. It just said there was a famine. Come on. Who's gotten to a place in your life where you don't know if it's God, if it's the devil, if it's you? Does it really matter though? You just need God. Who's the answer no matter what? If it was God putting this in your life to look to him, then look to him. If the devil is doing it to you, well, let's just look past him and look to God. And if it's me, well, I know what I need to do. I need to humble myself again, empty myself again, and just get rid of it again and look to him. But I love that there are, you know, there are huge sermons. There are entire series of how he got into fear here and out of faith. But that's complete opinion because, and I can prove it to you why it's opinion, because in Romans chapter 4, verse 20, it says, Abram, Romans 4, verse 20, Abraham never wavered. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And this, and in this, he brought glory to God. We get into places where we just say, there's droughts, there's good times, there's bad times. And we say, this doesn't seem like God. We say, this is not what I expected. This is not what I expected, God. I believed you and I got a glimpse of the answer, and now I don't even know where I'm at. I can preach this so firm because I know that everybody in here can identify with this. You've all been there. What is going on right now? No, seriously, sometimes you just, God, we don't do it with an attitude that doesn't move God. <laughs> but we just say, God, I don't know what is going on now. There's only one answer. The answer is always the same. Keep trusting him. It says that, and we can read his story. He actually makes some compromising, he makes some interesting decisions in that moment. And I don't even want to read them and preach them. You can go read the story yourself because these are, that's part of the Bible that is just between you and him. I've had, I've had times in my life where it was not exactly what I expected and things weren't going the way I wanted and people alongside of me felt like they had the right to share their opinion on how I was or wasn't trusting God in that moment. And the reality is, is you have no idea. I'm not mad or bitter, but you have no idea what it took to get me here. And you have no idea where God's going to bring me from here. So do, why don't you get off the sidelines and why don't you meet me at the end, meet me at the finish line, and then we'll look at my story. And that's the reality for all of us. I don't know why you're in the situation you're in sometimes, and you don't know why. And God's not telling you there is no word of the Lord from him in Egypt. No word of the Lord to Abram. There's nothing. God doesn't speak to him. God does free him, doesn't he? God frees him. He goes down there, and the Bible tells us, you can read the story yourself. It's in Genesis 12. We just don't have the time anyway, even if I wanted to. I'm already over time with you guys. But he goes there. God frees him. And it says this, though. It says that Romans tells us he never wavered. He never didn't trust God. He always trusted God through it, but it says that Abram in chapter 13, verse 1, I want you to read this out loud. Abram left Egypt. 
I want you to say that as a declaration. Abram left Egypt. It doesn't really matter how you got there into that place that's confusing and you don't understand and you're in your promise and you trust in God and now all of a sudden you're in a famine. A famine in the middle of your promise. And you don't understand. Just keep trusting him and 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 trusting him. And you will make mistakes, I promise you, during that time anyway. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to make compromised decisions. And you're going to turn from those, right? Because you're a faithful believer. God's not even going to look. When he looks at your story, he doesn't even see your mistakes. Because you know what God looks at? He looks at every time you turn back, he just wipes the mistakes away. That's why when you go to the New Testament and you read about these characters, we're reading them in the Old Testament and we go, oh my gosh, I can't believe that this character just did that. Then you read about them in the New Testament and there's no mention of it. It's just their faithfulness and their unwavering and their faith. Because God doesn't look at your mistake when you, what's the word I'm looking for? Turn back, repent, keep trusting him. When you just keep trusting him anyway, even though you've made mistakes and you just turn, it says very quickly, and then I will close. It says that he left Egypt. God, he went into a place, whatever drove him there, I don't know. But the Bible tells me that his faith actually was increasing. Every situation that he went through was increasing. Romans 4 told us that his faith was actually increasing through each and every turn. And this, there's a lot of turns in his story. You could spend a long time in his story. In every turn, his faith was increasing. He's just learning to trust God. And we have to realize that is just part of life. We want everything to be a bed of roses in Christianity. We need to realize that it's still life, that we are still humans, that we live in a fallen world. And we cannot, I say this often, but we need to get this. You cannot look at second by second, moment by moment, your natural surroundings. You have to look, as I preached a few weeks ago, from a different perspective. You've got to look from God's point of view at your life, and it's not going to make sense to your mind. But we keep trusting him, and it says that in verse 3, chapter 13, that they continued traveling by stages toward Bethel, and they pitched their tents between Bethel and Ai. Where? What's that say? where they had camped before. I'm not sure how you got to the place you got to, but just turn back. Just look to him and keep your eyes on him. He has got a plan for your life, and it doesn't really matter what brought the famine in your promise he has an answer. All of it's refining you. There's more pearls. There's more gold. There's more silver. There's more diamonds being produced through all of it. And we come back to the altar. And if you skip over to chapter 18, God comes and speaks to Abraham right at this exact place that he set the first altar that sent him to a place he didn't want to go, but he came back. And God speaks to him again. Let's stand. God, we thank you. We praise you. We trust you, Lord God. We don't understand, and that's okay. But I thank you, Lord. Our faith, the very definition of faith is not knowing and not seeing, but we know you. 
We know you, Lord. We trust in you. And I pray, Lord, that every single situation in our lives, Lord, that is confusing, that has troubled us, that has even hurt us, Lord, I pray, just as your word says, that it's working for our good and for your glory. I pray, Lord, that we would just get a glimpse of your glory, Lord, get a glimpse of eternity, Lord, that we would set our eyes on you. And after, Lord, the the stuff and the junk that gets in between, Lord, we would look ahead and look forward beyond us. And I thank you, Lord, that that grounds us and frees us and gives us hope and life, Lord, for the time that we're in right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.